You're about to hear a message that was preached at Calvary Fellowship in Miramar, Florida. At Calvary, we exist to help people take their next step with God. And we pray that this message helps you do just that. Good morning, Calvary. Good morning, guys. Guys, it is so good to be here with you today. My name is Alex. I am the Connections Pastor here at Calvary. I am so happy you came uh, to church. Listen, coming to church is always not just a good decision. It is always the right decision. And I don't know about you, but I love being at church. I love seeing my church family. That is you guys. You guys are my church family. I love seeing you guys, the hugs, high fives, high fives, you know, fist pumps. Um, I love seeing our serving teams get here bright and early. You guys have no idea what happens hours before our first service. But the serving teams get here and they start getting everything ready. And things are happening in the children's ministry. And then the cafe team gets here. And you start smelling stuff. And you start hearing, you know, the hiss of the espresso machine. And you're like, all right, it's going to be a good Sunday. And uh, I love our team rally before the services start. Again, a lot of you guys, you know, coming at 10 or 11.30, before all that happens, uh, you know, we meet in the lobby with everyone that's serving and we have a rally. Guys, we pray for you before, you're probably sleeping at home, we're just getting ready for that first service and we're already praying for you and I love it. And I love, you know, standing in the lobby with my wife. My wife and I will a lot of times stand in the lobby at the beginning of the service while worship is going on, while, while folks are coming in and I love to stand there with her and watch all the families and everyone come in uh, to church and then you hear the barn doors open and I love the sound of the barn doors opening, right? And, um, and then, the, you know, the countdown starts and there's this great sense of anticipation when the band comes up and they'll come up with a couple minutes left in the countdown and they'll stand over here and they'll huddle and they'll pray and they'll get ready and then the countdown gets down to three, two, one, and then boom, the music starts and guys, I love our time of worship together. The band sounds amazing. Doesn't the band sound amazing? <laughs> guys, that last song, wow. Listen, and, and these guys, you know, they're practicing at home. They're rehearsing here to get ready, right, to play skillfully. God using them, their skills, their talents, their gifts as they lead us. And they lead us as we sing songs of praise and worship. And all this in preparation to hear the word of God preached. I love it. I need it. Who loves it? Who needs it? Yes. Yes, guys, I love it and I need it. And listen, if you're just showing up for the message, if you're getting here a little late and you're just showing up for the message, you're missing out on such an amazing and beautiful opportunity. And you're, just, you're not just shorting yourself. The truth is that you are shorting God because that time of worship, right, it's our chance to express love and gratitude and humility towards God. It's our chance to prepare our hearts and offer something up to him. Right? It's our chance to dedicate ourselves and songs to God. Now who, have you guys ever dedicated a song to someone? You guys ever had that opportunity to dedicate a song to someone? And I'm not sure how that's done nowadays. Um, you know, but growing up, you know, it'd be Friday night and you'd be listening to the radio. It'd be Power 96 or Y100, Hot 105. I don't know, if you were listening to rock, it was like 103 She. Um, I don't know if any of these stations are even around nowadays. Because there, there was no Spotify. There was no streaming. You were listening live on the radio to the DJ, commercials and all, right? And chances are... You know, your girl or your guy, you were on the phone with them listening to the same, you know, radio station. Okay, but, um, you know, but you'd be like, man, I want to I try to dedicate a song, you know, to, to my girls, all right? So if, if, you know, so you'd call the radio station hoping to get through because, you know, there's, there's a window. And if you missed a window, you got to wait till next Friday, right? So you call the radio station hoping to get through. And, you know, you, you know, and if you did, you'd be ready. 
And they'd be like, all right, we got Alex on the line. He wants to dedicate a song. You know, uh, go ahead, Alex. Oh, and it's like, oh, okay, yeah, um, you know, I want to dedicate this song to, uh, to my girl, uh, Andrea, uh, my forever love. Uh, you make the sunshine and the stars rise, baby. I love you. This song is for you. All right, here we go. All right. And then the song you chose, you took time to choose it. You thought about it. You read the lyrics. Like the song had to mean something, right? And the song said all the things that you wanted to say just so much better. Now, I, I dedicated a song uh, to my wife once. Unfortunately, I was never able to do it uh, on the radio. It doesn't mean I didn't dedicate a song to her. And uh, I actually dedicated it to her in person. And when I say in person, I don't mean, you know, we're in the car. Oh, it's like, baby, by the way, this song that's playing is for you, right? Or I bring my boombox. Look, I recorded this song for you. No, this dedication that I made for her, I, I sung this song to her. Right, you guys want to hear the song? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, all right. I did it during first service. I got to, listen, first service was very supportive. I'm counting on you guys to do the same. I'm, 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 I'm pouring my heart out here, all right. So the song I dedicated for my wife, I sang to her. Why do birds suddenly appear every time you are near just like me? They long to be close to you. Why do stars fall down from the sky? Every time I walk by, just like me, they long to be close to you. On the day that you were born, the angels got together and decided to create a dream come true. So they sprinkled moon dust in your hair and golden starlight in your eyes of brown. Now, those of you who know the song, it's a blue, but, my, but Andrea's eyes are brown. So poetic license. Brum, brum. Okay, that's it. I'm not singing anymore. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. My wife was in the first service, and she was right over there. Uh, but listen, I dedicate that song to you guys. All right. All right. But listen, you know, speaking of songs, today... Uh, uh, we're going to be in the book of Psalms, P-S-A-L-M-S, Psalms. And a psalm, a singular psalm, is a song or a poem used in worship. So the book of Psalms in the Bible is essentially a book of songs to God. And just like we dedicate songs uh, that express how we feel and, and, to, and, to, um, and speak to experiences that we've had, the psalms express the emotion of its writer, right, the psalmist, to God or about God. The psalms are songs dedicated to God. The book of Psalms express worship. It encourages us who read it to praise God for who he is and what he has done. The psalms shed light on the greatness of God. They affirm his faithfulness in hard times, and they remind us of, remind us of the absolute centrality of his word. They show us a picture of God guiding his people with love. In the Psalms, we see time after time a glimpse of hearts devoted to him, sinners repentant before him, and lives changed through encounters with him. Psalms are the result of a direct experience. The origin of each psalm is a moment in time. They capture the raw emotions of a specific moment. Psalms are not based on fiction. And I think that's why we can identify with the Psalms. See, the, the, the songs that, that move you the most are the ones that take you back to a moment. The ones that put a smile on your face and remind you of good times, like maybe a wedding song, your favorite party song, or maybe even a song 
um, that you heard as a child. I mean, I vividly remember uh, the song that my grandmother would sing to me whenever I would stay at her house overnight, right before I went to bed. She would sing me the same song. Unfortunately, I'm not going to be singing that today. I've done my share of singing. But I vividly remember that song. And there are also songs that bring you to tears, right? The ones whose, whose lyrics remind you of heartache and loss. And, and sometimes there's a song that does both. It brings joy and laughter as well as tears. So when we read a psalm, it's not just a thought with no context. The psalms define a moment. And today, we're going to look at Psalm 46. Psalm 46, and it's a psalm you may already know some of the lyrics to. Some of you may have part of this psalm on a, on, on a, on a mug or on a t-shirt or maybe a sticker, a journal, right, um, uh, a framed print. Uh, I know Sarah, who works on staff with us, um, part of this psalm is, is on the desktop, uh, on the uh, wallpaper of her desktop on her computer. You know, we're going to, so we're going to look deep into this psalm, but in context, looking at the circumstances which led to it being written. So Psalm 46 is believed to have been written in 701 B.C. The Assyrian army is attacking Jerusalem. King Sennacherib is the king of Assyria. King Hezekiah is the king in Jerusalem. These are the circumstances. This is the context. And I've never experienced anything like this. I don't know if you've experienced something like this, living in a city under attack. And it's chilling to know that there's parts of this world uh, that are experiencing this as we speak. But this is why context is so important. Because you see, the Assyrian army was brutal. They were ruthless. They were considered the first military power in history. Their military was feared throughout the ancient world. They were the most technologically advanced army of the time. They had the most advanced weaponry. They were one of the first to use weapons made of iron. They had the most strategic training. And not only were they advanced and efficient, but their warriors were known to be absolutely brutal. They were masters of psychological warfare. They discovered that instilling fear in the hearts of enemies could win them a battle without a fight. And this psychological warfare was used before, during, and after a battle. They would make these tablets with depictions of what they would do to their captives. And I have some examples for you here. Here are a couple of examples. This is the first one, and it's kind of uh, zoomed in. But this is the type of tablet um, that, that the city would see before uh, the army, uh, you know, the army attacked. And it was pictures of the Assyrian army. In this case, looks like pulling body parts off of their captives. Um, if you look at the next one, this one here, this is a depiction of, the, of Assyrian warriors flaying their captives. And if you know what flaying is, it's basically to have your skin uh, ripped off. And I think the most disturbing thing is over here to the left, this person, which what looks like two kids just looking on, right? But this, this is a type of psychological warfare that, um, that, that they would implement. And, and these would be sent in again as a warning before and left behind as a reminder. So Jerusalem being attacked by the most feared, most intimidating, most brutal force in the ancient world, this is the context of Psalm 46. A people completely terrified with no hope of being able to defend themselves on their own. And before we read the psalm, I just want to point out something. Each section we're going to read uh, ends with the word Selah. And I've heard it pronounced Selah. I've heard it pronounced Selah. I prefer Selah. I'm going to go with Selah. 
All right. Uh, some of you have heard it explained before. Some of you may be hearing it for the first time. So for the benefit of the latter, real quick, we don't exactly know what Selah means. Because of where it's found and how it's used in the Bible, it's generally thought to mean to pause or to reflect. So that's how we're going to use it today. And when you're reading your Bible and, it come, and come across it, you can use it in the same way to pause and reflect about what the Bible says, to reflect on the meaning of the passage before continuing to read. So we're going to begin in Psalm 46, verses 1 to 3. It's in your outlines. It's also on the screen uh, behind me so you guys can read along. It says this, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Even though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its, its swelling, Selah. The first lesson that this psalm teaches us is this. God is who you need when you need him. God is who you need when you need him. See, my wife and uh, Andrea and I, we were married uh, back in January of 19. 99. And at the time, uh, we were both uh, still in school. So we got married on a Friday night, uh, spent a couple of days in the Keys, and we had to be back in school on Monday uh, for midterms. Um, so later on that year, we decided uh, that summer that we were going to take a proper kind of honeymoon slash vacation, and uh, we planned a trip to Disney and to Universal. I hadn't been there since I was a kid. I think my wife had only been there once uh, to one park in her entire life. So we thought it'd be fun to do that uh, together. Uh, we got our park tickets through a discount program uh, at work called Tickets at Work. I don't even know if that still exists anymore, uh, but Tickets at Work was a thing, and that's where we got our, our tickets at a discount. We booked the days in in Orlando for about 30 bucks a night, and I had to borrow my mom's car because my car wasn't making it past Fort Lauderdale. So needless to say, we were on an extremely tight budget. And listen, that $30 hotel didn't uh, disappoint. Do you guys ever take a shower with your flip-flops on? Because you don't want to take them off. <laughs> All right. And listen, when I tell you that the beds looked like they did when we left, you know, the same way when, you know, when we got there. Um, you know how the, some of these hotels will have like, a, like that one cover over the entire bed and you remove that and you have like the regular linens. Let's just say that stayed on and we kind of in our clothes just kind of laid gently <laughs> on those beds. But listen, we were young. We were having a great time. We didn't know any better. You know, we bought milk and cereal and we ate breakfast in our room uh, before we left the park. Um, you know, we packed, we made sandwiches and packed snacks because we couldn't afford to buy food um, at the parks. Our only luxury, our one luxury was every night leaving the park, coming back to the hotel, we would make a stop at Ponderosa Steakhouse. Any fans of the Ponderosa Steakhouse? Yes, yes, yes. So for those of you unaware of Ponderosa, at least back then, you go, you buy like a steak, like an $8 steak, a $9 steak, and then there was an all-you-can-eat buffet of sides. So, you know, all the carbs and sugar and, and all that stuff, you just pay for your steak, and then you, you know, you have at it with the corn, mashed potatoes, anything you wanted. And that was our one luxury. And again, we were in my mom's car. Now, my mom's car, it was good enough to get us there, a good car. She only drove it to work and back, um, but it basically had the original tires on it. And because she only drove it to work and back, even though the tires were old, the tread was still on them. The tread was still good. And I don't know, maybe it was just all the miles that we put on that car, getting to Orlando, and now starting to drive back, that as we're driving back, I start to hear this noise, things kicking up under. And when I pull over, I realize that the treads of the tire are like breaking apart and, and falling off the, the tire, right? So now I'm beginning to freak out. It's a Sunday afternoon. 
we didn't have a cell phone. Again, this, this is back in, in 1999. We, didn't, we, we still didn't have a cell phone. And we're on that stretch of the turnpike that's kind of like in the middle of nowhere. And I'm starting, again, to get nervous and freak out. So I see an exit. I'm like, listen, i got to pull off on this exit. And as I pull off, I see that there's a gas station. I'm like, well, let me go over to the gas station. As I get closer, I notice the gas station has like a mechanics garage next to it. But listen, it's Sunday. You know, I'm in the middle of nowhere. No one's working in a garage on Sunday. But as I pull up, I see a guy come out. And he comes out. He sees me coming in. And I'm like, hey, you know, you guys open? He's like, yeah, yeah, what's going on? So I explained to him what's happening. And he's like, listen, I've got some tires, you know, in the back behind the garage. And I'm like, I'm like, what are the chances you've got four of the same size tires, like, that I need? All right? He looks. He looks at the size. He's like, yep, I got those. So one hour later and four brand-new tires, we are back on the road. I finally get to my mom's house, right? We pull up. She comes out to greet us. You know, how to go? I'm like, mom, thank you so much for letting us borrow your car. Listen, as a sign of my gratitude, you've got four brand new tires uh, on your car. <laughs> Listen, that mechanic, right, in the middle of nowhere was who I needed exactly when I needed him. And so was God in your moment of trouble. Jeremiah 29, 13 to 14 says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. When you seek him, you will find him. It's like playing hide-and-seek with a little kid. You guys play hide-and-seek with a little kid? When our, when our kids were, were, were little, listen, they're not very good at it. Like little kids playing hide-and-seek are not very good. I don't think they understand the game um, because at least my kids did this. They would hide in the same spot over and over again. And then once, you know, three, two, one, you know, ready or not, here I come. Poppy, find me. <laughs> Poppy, find me. It's like. I don't think you understand the, the object of the game. But, you know, so you have to make pretend, right? And you look, oh, he's not here. And you make noises and, you know, kind of search. And then finally you surprise them and you find them. It's like they play wanting to be found. And God is like that. God is horrible at hide and seek, right? He says, seek me and I will be found by you. He doesn't make it difficult. He's always in the same spot calling out until you find him. The psalmist begins God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. And other translations uh, for very present will say ever present, always ready to help, a very ready help. God is always ready. He's not surprised by what happens to you. He's not caught off guard or unprepared. He's not at a loss for words or without a plan for whatever is happening in your life. The phrase very present or ever present help comes from two Hebrew words, the first of which means to discover to encounter, or to experience. And the second means exceedingly abundant, exceedingly much. So this literally means that in times of trouble, we discover, encounter, experience God's overflow of his exceedingly abundant protection, provision, and strength. Therefore, we will not fear. And some of us here today feel like we're being under attack physically mentally emotionally spiritually your relationships are under attack your health is under attack your peace of mind is under attack your faith is under attack and this world is taunting you right like the Assyrian army sending in those tablets showing you what's going to happen after it defeats you in battle torture you rip you apart and destroy you God is our refuge and strength in times of trouble we discover encounter experience the overflow of his exceedingly abundant protection, provision, and strength, and therefore we do not fear. His help is present. It is close. It is not far. Our God is not absent. His help is what you need exactly when 
you need it. God is who you need when you need him. And we continue in the psalm, picking it up in verse 4, from verse 4 to 7. And it reads, There is a river whose streams shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her just at the break of dawn. The nations raged. The kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice. The earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. The second truth we learn from this psalm is this. God is your source of strength. God is your source of strength. In another psalm, Psalm 28, uh, verses 7 to 8, it says, The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him, and he helps me. My heart leaps for joy in my song, and with my song I praise him. The Lord is the strength of his people, a fortress of salvation for his anointed one. God is our source of strength. But it's not always what we do. And who we go to in times of trouble. We see, we see God through the trouble, and that leads to doubt a lot of times. And now it's, you know, why did God do this? God isn't good, and God doesn't love me. And we begin looking elsewhere, outside of God. And too often we look to other sources for strength. And those options never live up to the real thing. And it's like, it's like getting invited to a party, and you ask, you know, because you're a courteous guest, hey, you know, what can I bring to the party? And you're like, you know what? Bring some sodas, right? Bring some refreshments. Bring, bring some sodas. So you go to the grocery store, and you're standing in front of the aisle, and you're like, all right, this is the Coke, the Sprite. That's the real thing. And then something catches your eye over here. And you're like, huh, oh, 69 cents a bottle. Okay. Right? 69 cents. Mountain Lightning, Dr. Thunder. Ah, who's going to know? Who's going to know the difference, right? Everyone's going to know the difference. That's not good for anybody seriously though sometimes the right choice it's the hard choice it's a scary choice the choice that takes us out of our comfort zone and this was Israel's history this was Israel's history see it was tempting for the nation of Israel to align with foreign powers when Israel would get into these military conflicts uh, often the enemy armies that they were facing were much greater and they'd come to wipe Israel out and instead of going to God Israel would strike deals with these other pagan kings. And even though time and time again, God would warn against it, they would choose the unrighteous option. But this battle, this battle was different. King Hezekiah, the king in Jerusalem, remembered who his source of strength was. And he remembered all that God had done and promised to do for his people. In 2 Kings chapter 18, we see an account of the battle that, uh, that Psalm 46 is, is based on. And we read this, uh, beginning in verse 3. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, he being King Hezekiah. According to all that his father David had done, he trusted in the Lord God of Israel, so that after him was none like him among all the kings of Judah, nor who were before him. For he held fast to the Lord. He did not depart from following him, but kept his commandments, which the Lord had commanded Moses. The Lord was with him. He prospered wherever he went, and he rebelled against the king of Assyria and did not serve him. See, how many unrighteous alternative options do we have in the face of trouble? Maybe we're hurt, hurt by someone, uh, just a, a decision or a diagnosis, a result doesn't go our way, and we begin to feel justified in seeking revenge. We hold on to resentment and to bitterness. We withhold forgiveness, and we gossip and slander. God is in the midst of our troubles, working on our behalf. 
And when trouble comes, remember that he is your source of strength. See, he is big enough. He is powerful enough and sovereign enough to rule over this entire world. The psalm says that the mere utterance of his voice, the earth melts. He is that big and over that much, and yet he cares about you. He loves you. He's concerned with every little last detail of your life. Our almighty God, creator of the universe and everything in it, he knows the exact details of everything going on in your life right now. And in times of trouble, you can call on him. And that leads us to the last part of the psalm. And we're going to pick it up in verse 8. And it says this, Come, behold the works of the Lord, who has made desolations in the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariot in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. Friends, the last lesson that we learn from this psalm is this. Be still. The battle belongs to God. Be still. The battle belongs to God. See, in verse 8, verse 8 begins with, come, behold the works of the Lord. The psalmist is saying, come, look, discover, encounter, experience the overflow of his exceedingly abundant protection, provision, and strength. Come, look at what he's done. He is waiting, ever-present, not hidden. Draw close to him. He will draw close to you. Run into his arms of mercy, grace, provision, and protection. He will receive you and grab onto you and not let you go. Cry out to him, and he will respond. When, when our kids are little, and if you have kids, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You learn their cries because not all cries mean the same thing. Right? There's the I'm tired and cranky cry. There's the I want attention and I ain't getting it cry. There's a, you're not giving me what I want cry. And over time, we hear those, and we learn to ignore those cries. And then there's the real cry, the true cry, right? The one that you dread as a parent. And if I hear this cry of pain, danger, or fear coming from any of my kids, you better believe that I'm going through anyone and through anything to get to them. How much more our Heavenly Father who sacrificed and gave his son for us. Come, behold the works of the Lord. Here is our refuge, our fortress, our strength, and always ready and ever-present help in our time of need. That's so awesome. And then we get to verse 10. And in verse 10, this is where God himself steps in. Because it is no longer the psalmist speaking about God. Now we hear from God himself. And in our house, it's six of us. My wife and I, we have four kids, so a lot, and we have two floors, so a lot of communication happens through others, right? We'll use one of the kids to relay messages. Hey, run upstairs and tell your brother to come down for dinner. Hey, go tell your sister to come down and take the clothes out of the dryer. And those, those messages carry weight because when they're being delivered, you know, the receiver knows, oh, that's coming from mom and dad, all right? I'm not being bossed around by my little brother. That message is coming from mom and dad. But then there are messages that need to be delivered directly by us to them, right? The receiver needs to hear our voice because the message is too important to be misread, misinterpreted, or mishandled. And notice what happens in verse 10. You know, 
Verse 10 is the one that's on your mugs, on your t-shirts, your stickers, on Sarah's you know, desktop wallpaper. So far, the entire psalm has been about God. God is our refuge and our fortress. He uttered his voice. It's been in the third person. But now the message is too important to be misread, misinterpreted, or mishandled. God needs to deliver it himself. Because now comes the challenge. Now comes the seemingly impossible task. Now comes the hard command that requires from us hard obedience. Now comes what we what you wouldn't believe unless you heard it from God himself. Because remember, it's Jerusalem, 701 B.C. The Assyrian army is coming to attack. And you've heard all the stories, right? You've already seen the tablets. You know what they're capable of and what they're coming and they're coming for your city. They're coming for you. They're coming for your family and everyone and everything that you love. And everything inside of you says, fight. I need to protect myself. I need to protect what's mine. I know what this army can do. And God says this himself. Be still and know that I am God. But God, they are coming for me. And he says, be still and know that I am God. But God... I'm not a man unless I stand up and fight. And he says, be still and know that I am God. But God, they want to hurt my family. They want to kill my family. Be still and know that I am God. But God, it's impossible. We don't stand the chance, right? We're going to be destroyed, annihilated. And he says, be still and know that I am God. And we say, but God, I can't be still. God, I, I have to have a say. Right? God, I've got to be involved. God, I have to have control. And God says, be still and know that I am God. He says, I have the final say. I'm already involved in every last detail of your life. God tells us, I am in control. See, some battles are not meant for you. Some battles are too big for you. Some relationships you can't restore on your own. Some diseases you can't cure on your own, some habits you can't break on your own, some temptations you cannot fight on your own. Some battles you cannot win on your own. And to understand what God means when he says, be still. The word still is a translation of the Hebrew word rafa, meaning to slack and let down or cease. God is saying when facing the darkest hour of your life, when climbing the toughest mountain, when grieving the greatest loss, when trouble comes, stop fighting cease striving. Be still and know that I am God. Be still. The battle belongs to me. And King Hezekiah, he embraced this. Because we read that he went to God, he prayed, he believed God was who he needed when he needed him. And in 2 Kings chapter 19, verse 35, we read, that night the angel of the Lord went out and put to death 185,000 in the Assyrian camp. When the people got up the next morning, there were all the dead bodies. So Sennacherib, king of Assyria, broke camp and withdrew. He returned to Nineveh and stayed there. Our God, your God, one night, one angel, 185,000 of the toughest, baddest, meanest the world had ever seen. Be still and know that I am God. Be still. This battle belongs to me. There are battles you want to fight, but only God can win. And some of us need to embrace that and believe that today. Some of us have been fighting battles 
We were never meant to fight and we'll never win. So the question for all of us today, the question we have to ask ourselves is what battle do you need to stop fighting? What battle do you need to let God fight for you? Now this, this is the song that's being dedicated to you. God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. The God who slayed 185,000 in one night with one angel is the same God present for you now in your trouble. God is who you need when you need him. The nations raged, the kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice, the earth melted. God is your source of strength. And behold the works of the Lord. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Church, be still. The battle belongs to God. Let's pray together, church. Heavenly Father, we thank you. God, we thank you for fighting our battles. We thank you for being our champion. Thank you for being an ever-present help in our time of trouble and need and help us remember what you have done and what you promised to do, Father. We all have battles that are meant for you, Lord, and we keep butting our heads up against it, wanting to keep control, wanting to have a say. Lord, help us surrender that to you. Help us to learn to be still and trust you, to know you, to encounter you, to experience you. Thank you. Thank you for fighting for us. Thank you for delivering us. You are our refuge and our fortress and our strength. So we say thank you. We love you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If today you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. It's one of the best decisions you've ever made. And we as a church want to help you with your next steps. You see, we have a free gift we'd like to give you. And in order for you to receive that gift, all you have to do is visit mycalvary.com forward slash begin. Don't forget to tune in next week for our next podcast. God bless you.